0: You are listening to week one of The God Nobody Wants. Learn about the holiness of God and why our entire faith hinges on His holy nature. In this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Today we're starting a brand new series uh, entitled The God Nobody Wants. And maybe you're wondering why that title. How many of you love God? Can you please raise your hand? How many of you like the, the love of God? Anybody like the mercy of God? How about the grace of God? Yeah. How about the prosperity of God? Yun mas malakas yung Yes, no, no. Especially magpapas ko na. Can you just greet the person beside you? Merry Christmas, by the way. Uh, you know, we believe in early Christmas gifts. Anyway, uh, it's the Burr months already. I believe that you can actually feel it. It's um, Christmas in the is in the air. Uh, as Filipinos, we celebrate Christmas like I think four months in a year. But anyway, so. Uh, the, there are certain attributes that we really love about God. But you know somehow, you know, there are some maybe attributes or, or qualities of God that maybe we don't understand. Maybe out of ignorance, we, we, uh, we don't really appreciate sometimes that God would meddle in our affairs. How many of you know that? That God is the sovereign God. That God has plans for us. And many times we have plans for ourselves, but even though you think your plans are foolproof, if God says no, how many of you know that we need to obey God? And so on and so forth. And so we're going to be unpacking in the next three weeks some attributes of God that really, for the most part, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, a believer or an unbeliever, sometimes you would think, Wow, Lord, I don't, I don't get it. Or sometimes you may think that God is unfair. Or sometimes you may think that God uh, does not understand your situation. Believe it or not, He does. But yet, His will is not our will. His ways are higher than our ways. Now, speaking of things that, you know, speaking of a God that nobody wants, you know, I, I went on to research some things in the internet uh, like food that nobody wants, okay? And uh, there are probably certain food that you don't really want to see, nor eat, nor smell, or nor, nor uh, come near, okay? And so, uh, by the way, let me just go and uh, put up a disclaimer that I am in no way advocating uh, animal violence, okay? But this is somehow just uh, some of the things that, you know, people in different cultures actually are eating. And so, let's look at some, okay? Food that nobody wants, okay? This is just a uh, brief so that we can actually uh, connect, Okay? Uh, you know, you'd see that there's like, you know, on the lower right is a fried seahorse. They say that if you eat it, you will swim faster. Uh, or on the lower left, that's actually fried silkworm, okay? Uh, crunchy on the outside, yet juicy on the inside. Uh, on the upper left actually is a fried tarantula, okay? It's actually famous in some cultures, Uh, Pastor Sonny was sharing one of his escapades when he was in uh, Thailand. Uh, It's not a tarantula that he ate, it was actually a locust, okay? And uh, he was looking at this locust, it was actually, it's a a delicacy in Thailand. And so as he was looking at this locust, he made sure, and he took off the legs of the locust. So when he swallows it, it will not actually climb up his throat, okay? (laughs) So he made sure it's going to stay down there. And uh, just to to be... uh, to be sure about it, okay? And so, the, middle, the upper middle is actually rotten cheese. How many of you are into cheese? You, you like cheese and, you know... <clears throat> I can't stand the smell of rotten cheese. And on the upper left corner is actually a delicacy in Korea. It's actually live baby octopus, okay? While it's still alive, they serve it on a plate, they chop it up, they put sesame seeds on it and sesame oil, Okay? And they eat it right away, kind of like a sushi. But the thing about a baby uh, octopus is, since it's still alive, can you imagine the suction cups? When you swallow it, it will stick to your throat. And it won't let go until you drink something, okay? And so these are some of the things that are kind of famous in some nations. And how many of you have tried one of these things? You want to try it later? Okay. Guess what? You know, we Filipinos enjoy balut. Some cultures don't even want to stay near balut, okay? Uh, anyway, so how about, you know, the job that nobody wants? You know, uh, there are certain jobs that nobody would like to do, okay? Like maybe an embalmer, okay? Okay, Pastor Sani said if you fill in your medical exam, maybe you can end up to be an embalmer. Anyway, I'm not sure if that is correct. Uh, or uh, a sewerage cleaner, Maybe a uh, malabanan. You you, know, you work with a malabanan thing, and so you you are surrounded with. Anyway, let's not talk about that. Okay. Um, or maybe a garbage collector. Now in, in uh, I guess in in uh, developed countries, garbage collectors have uh, you know hygienic uniforms, but not here in the Philippines. You know uh, they collect garbage in the morning. After that, they take a break. Using the same hands, and then they go back to garbage collecting, and then they take a lunch break, and so that's that's how we do it, okay? Or maybe working in a soho, you know, with the police cleaning up dead people, okay? And so before before they do an investigation, you've got to clean them. Especially, for example, if you have a uh, you know a crime scene, and you know the dead person is actually in the railroad track, and you know you have to put together a body, you know that's that's hard, okay? And so. These are some of the jobs that nobody wants to take, okay? And so talking about the character, the attribute of God, you know, I believe that there are some things that we don't really understand about God because of who He is, His very nature, being God. He's, he is the creator, and we are merely the created beings. And there are some things that we don't understand, His, his attitude. Yes, he, he uses the scriptures and the Bible in order for us to be able to Communicate with him and have a covenant with him. But yet there are certain areas or attributes that we still we need to uh, discover. And so I'd like to invite everyone to uh, stand with me. We're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 to verse 8. We're going to be reading it from the NIV version. Okay? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple above him were seraphs each with six wings now how many wings do you normally see uh, on an angel two wings right now those are called cherubs okay or cherubim but you know this is another kind of a heavenly creature that god created seraphs which is mentioned in isaiah and They have a special set of wings, not just a pair, but three pairs of wings. With two wings, they cover their faces. With two, they cover their feet. And with two, they were flying. Verse 3, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Okay, Verse 5, Isaiah said, Woe to me! I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar." With, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Verse 8. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for our time together as we study your word. though we ask that you would give us a proper understanding of who you are in our lives. What holiness means, Lord God, and what it brings to us in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you will give us a reverence and a proper understanding of the fear of the Lord. Father God, I thank you that you will indeed speak to us today, Lord God. May the Spirit of God speak to the church. And Lord, with open eyes and open spiritual ears, Lord God, Lord, we welcome your your word and your voice this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. You know, as we were studying this particular series, the Pastors of Victory, somehow we're really looking at, you know, some of the things that are not as popular. You know, some of the topics, you know, like for example, this particular topic, we were praying about this and we actually decided on preaching this in October. And the decision was made last year, in April of last year, because what we do in Victory, uh, you know, the different. Uh, senior pastors and a team of preachers from the different churches, not only in Metro Manila, but even from the provinces, we gather every April and we look at the next 12 months for the next year wherein we plan our preaching series already. So, you know, for 2014, the series preaching is done and decided on as we've met last April of 2013. Now, as we were studying closely this particular series, you know, here in Alabang, somehow we were looking at uh, you know, a, a sermon that is not as popular as grace. A sermon that is not as popular as prosperity. A sermon that is not as popular as the forgiveness of God or the love of God because you're talking about the holiness of God. And haven't you noticed a while ago that we, when we were worshiping the Lord and we were crying out, Holy, 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 there was such an attraction there. There was something in our spirit that is connected with the Spirit of God. Did you feel that earlier? Because that is the very essence of God. Holiness is in the very central attribute of who God is. In fact, this is, you know, forgive me for the term, okay? This is called transcendent attribute of God. Transcendent meaning to say that it is above us. You know, that the very essence, most of the attributes of God hang on this attribute of holiness, Him being a holy God. So as we were, you know, studying and praying through this, I said that this may not just be entitled the God that nobody wants, but this may well be a series or a sermon that nobody wants to hear because of the sober, uh, you know, uh, mindset or perspective that we will have. And, you know, I dare not presume that I am qualified to preach such a message on holiness because this is really a serious matter. And yet, we all enjoy the presence of God. How many of you are children of God here? Can you please raise your hand? We are children of God. We are children of the King, forgiven. Okay, Blood uh, bought, washed out of, uh, you know, from our sins, you know, receiving the mercy and the grace of God. And yet, our heart and our prayer is that at the end of the series, that our people will have a proper understanding of the, you know, the deep attributes of God, particularly of be, Him being a holy God, and the difference of a holy God and the depravity of man so that it will produce in us the fear of God and the reverence of God. Now when you talk about holy, what does holy mean? Okay? Holy comes from the Hebrew and the Greek word, uh, from Kadash in Hebrew. Uh, if you read the Old Testament, okay, let me just uh, take the time to teach this a bit. Okay, in Hebrew, it's called Kadash. Everybody say Kadash. It means to cut or be separate. Okay, so that is what holy means. I mean, that's why when, when John mentioned earlier about Leviticus chapter 27, when we give our tithes to the Lord, when we say that our tithes and our offering belong to the Lord, it is holy unto the Lord, it is set apart. That is what holy means. It is set apart for a special purpose. And in Greek, in the New Testament, it's called hagios, which means to set apart. Now, you know, growing up in my home, uh, we would normally use utensils that are ordinary utensils. Okay, How many of you in your house, you grew up with two sets of utensils? Okay, You have the everyday spoon and fork, and you have the really, really special spoon and fork like an Oneida set of spoon and fork. And I'd only see my, my, my mom bring out this special set of utensils every time we have special guests or visitors or special occasion or parties like that. And so I would notice this gold thing, this gold-heavy utensils. I'd go, wow, mommy ni Mami. Special. That is kind of like the picture of you know having a you know a certain kind of utensil, something that is set apart. That that oneda, you know, set of spoon and fork and knives is kinda of like if I may use the term holy, because it was set apart. How many of you are getting the picture? Okay? Of course, that is in a crude sense. Okay. So we we, we set apart something. You know, if you remember that when God created You know, the heavens and the earth, and all the animals and all the vegetation and everything, the birds and the sea, and the the fish uh, in the sea. And then he created man and woman on the last day. What did he do on the seventh day? He rested. That's why he called the seventh day a Sabbath. And he made the Sabbath a holy day. How many of you know that? That the Sabbath, even according to Exodus chapter 20, the Sabbath is holy holy unto the Lord. Because for the first six days, He worked, and on the seventh day, He rested. Okay, now, how many of you are enjoying your rest time today? How many of you normally take Sunday as your Sabbath or as your rest day? Okay, di ba? And the whole day is actually dedicated to the Lord, for the Lord's service. Just for us to be able to enjoy the presence of God. Now, for pastors... Or for the staff, of course, we work on Sundays, so our Sabbath or our rest day is on a Monday. So, we, so of course, now, we, in the New Testament, it really depends on where you're working or when you're working. And so, for pastors, normally, you know, all across the city, uh, whether victory or not victory, you, you'd notice that pastors normally take their day off on a Monday because we normally work on a Sunday. This is not vacation for me. I am working right now. This is my vocation, not my vacation. And so Mondays are are Sabbath, okay? And it is set apart. It is holy unto the Lord. So if you need any uh, appointment for counseling, okay, don't set it on a Monday, okay? Because it is holy (laughs) unto the Lord. And we want to enjoy our our family and we want to enjoy God. On that day, holy, okay, set apart. Remember during the time when, uh, when God showed himself to Moses in the Midianite desert, and you know, he appeared in a burning bush. And as Moses was nearing the presence of God, what did the Lord say to Moses? Moses, take off the take off your Havayanas, take off your Havayanas. Because the land you are walking on is holy ground. Diba pa? Tanggal naman ganun, ba? And so, why is that? Because that particular piece of property, because of the Lord's presence, you know, it is holy unto the Lord. And we dare not treat it lightly. That's why I believe that when you talk about this particular attribute of God, we, we dare not treat the Lord Lightly, particularly to His holiness. Because we serve the same God. I, the Lord, do not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, right now we're living in a covenant of grace in the New Testament. But we're going to be showing you later on that you know, the, the same holiness, the same God who wants to relate with us is the same for the Old and the New Testament. You know, this particular... Picture of the wholeness of God you, if you envision the tabernacle for example that during the time of Moses and David and, and, and Solomon we was building the temple there are certain sections of the temple that are okay for everybody to hang out there's the outer court there's the inner court there is what we call the holy place and the holy place is where the Levites are the only ones who are allowed to go into Diba? how many of you're glad that we are no longer in the old testament and you need to require you know we need to require you to bring your offerings you know in form of a dove or a sheep or an ox okay or maybe you know sometimes uh, you get to compare one another okay ah, si ano si pastor Sani ang dala ox laki siguro kasalanan yan, ano? parang gano, ano? <laughs> A man, you know, uh, maybe some of you are just bringing a dove or whatever, or maybe a grain. Of course, in the Old Testament, there are different types of offerings. There's a grain, sin offering, burnt offering, and different purpose. But my point is this. There's a certain area for the offering, and after the holy place is a veil that separates the holy place with the most holy place. There's already a holy place, holy that is set apart, and there's even the most holy place, masinet apart. And only the high priest is qualified to enter the most holy place. In fact, whenever the high priest would enter the most holy place, remember, di They would tie a rope around the legs, of the not the legs, okay, only one. Kasi pagka legs, <laughs> di Ganun maglakad, di So only one leg, okay? They tie a rope around the leg, and a bell, in order for them to know whether the priest is still alive or not, because sin cannot be found in a priest every time he would enter the presence of the Lord. And so, if after a few hours they would hear, bohe pasi pastor, Ganun yon, okay? And then after a while. Bing, so, you know, the priest can actually do whatever and they don't know what's happening inside the most holy place because it's veiled up. Only the high priest can go there. But if after a couple of days and there's no more noise, they'd probably assume that, oops, baka wala na si. Wala high priest. So what they would do is they would pull out the priest with the rope because chances are he probably died in the presence of God. And this is where we see God's holy. That's why, you know, there's a certain attribute. Lord, how can you, you know, be a loving God and yet holy at the same time? You know, the wholeness of God really is the central essence of who He is. In fact, you know, His love is basically referred to as a holy love. His wrath is referred to as a holy wrath. But only God has a holy wrath, by the way, okay? Wives, do not have a holy wrath against her husband, okay? <laughs> si Lord lang yun, okay? So the unveiling of God's holiness, I have three things I want to share with us this afternoon. First is the upward look. Everybody see the upward look? This is Isaiah. When he saw God, he saw God in the temple. And we just read this earlier. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, who was King Uzziah? King Uzziah was actually one of the good kings. Of Israel, until he reached uh, the latter part of his life, he was sixteen years old when he became king of Israel. He became king of Israel for fifty two years. Can you imagine more than five decades he was the same king? You know Marcus, I think, was president for about twenty plus years. So Sohar, Soharto was uh, President of Indonesia for about thirty years now. This particular king, King Uzziah, became king for about 52 years. He actually led Israel in a battle against the Philistines. They won in every uh, front. They, uh, They were enjoying peace. They were enjoying prosperity until pride set in. How many of you know that pride comes before a fall? And what happened to King Uzziah was when... You know, He thought that he was invincible because everything that he would touch should become successful because the presence of God was with him. He said one time, at the, you know towards the end of his life, he said, I want to enter the, the temple of God and I want to offer an incense by myself without depending on the priests. But the priests were forbidding, don't do this, O king. And he said, I am the king. Tabi kayo Kaya ko but as he was offering the incense, guess what? Leprosy broke out just like that from the top of his head, scattered all over his body. And in the same pace, as, as fast as he was going in, he was twice as fast as he wanted to get out of that temple. And he died a leprous man. And, you know, if we're going to think about this particular story of King Uzziah, maybe you'd say, Lord, bakit naman siya namatay? Wasn't he a good king? Didn't he do good for the nation of Israel? Didn't he lead your people in righteousness for a while and in prosperity? Could you have at least been merciful to him? But you're dealing with a holy God. And this is something that we need to understand. When you talk about the holiness of God, sin cannot stand before a holy God. That is a fact. Look at the person beside you. And tell that person Okay. Pa? <laughs> That's why I gave a warning earlier that this will actually be a very sober message for us. And then Isaiah saw the Lord, notice the spelling of Lord, capital L, small letter O R D. Basically, this speaks of the title of God. Adonai, which is the supreme title of who God is. It's kind of like His Excellency President Noi Noi Akira, something like that. Lord, capital L, small letter O-R-D. And He saw that, the title of God, seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. How many of you uh, wives remember the time of your wedding day when you have a train of your wedding gown? I don't know how How many of you had a long train? Maybe some of you had about maybe 5 feet or maybe 10 feet or maybe 20 feet train. (laughs) You needed the entire entourage to carry your train. And somehow, a train reflects majesty. Guess what? The train of the robe of God in Isaiah's vision filled the entire temple. Can you imagine how long and how majestic that train of the robe is. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings. So we've talked about this earlier. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, the middle portion, they were flying. And then they cry out to one another. What did they call out to one another? Okay? This is the statement, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. You probably noticed that the Lord here is spelled all caps, L-O-R-D, which is really the majestic name of God, Yahweh, the same name that he used to reveal himself to Moses. When Moses was asking him, whom shall I say that sent me? I am who I am. I am Yahweh who sent you. So he was, they, were, they were shouting, holy, holy, holy. And he saw the Lord. He saw the Lord in the temple. And the seraphs were crying out, holy, holy, holy. You know, in, in, in the English language, uh, every time you would want to emphasize something, you would use different forms of punctuation marks, right? Or maybe you'd, you'd use a Microsoft Word document. If you want to highlight or emphasize a particular word or sentence, what do you normally do? You put bold letters, you put font 36, <laughs> Just to emphasize it. You know, this is important, right? You italize, you underline, you highlight, you use punctuation mark, not just one exclamation point. But <laughs> and just to be able to understand that this is important. You know, if you're writing, maybe WARNING, all caps, bold letter, and then... That's the English language. But in the Hebrew language, they don't have any uh, of such uh, marks. They don't highlight, they don't embolden. What they use is a technique called verbal repetition. If they want to highlight a certain word or a certain truth, they would repeat it not once, but twice. In fact, Jesus used this type of technique every time he would preach. And you'd probably notice some of the Gospels when Jesus would actually say, Truly, truly, I say unto you. How many of you notice that? Diba? Or if you're reading the King James Version, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. (laughs) Nice, no? It literally means, Amen, Amen. Listen to what I'm about to say. That's what it means. And now we use the word Amen at the end of the prayer, right? But if Jesus wants to emphasize something, He would actually say first, Amen, Amen, listen to this. And people are actually waiting to hear what He wants to say. Now, when you talk about holy, 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 you'd see that this is the only time in the Bible where it was not repeated twice, but three times. This is verbal repetition to the superlative level. Para mo, I will repeat it again for the second time once more. <laughs> Parang ganon. Parang sobra ka redundant, pastor. Ganon nga ginagawa nila. Because this is important. This is the only attribute of God that was emphasized like this. holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You will never find in your Bible whatever version you have. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Or love, love, love. Or grace, grace, grace. Or prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. But holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. How many of you believe and agree With that statement that the whole earth today, if you're looking at our planet, how many of you would agree that the whole earth is filled with the glory of God? Amen, Amen. right? Indeed, it is. In God's perspective, it is. In the angel's perspective, heaven's perspective, the earth is full of the glory of God. Maybe in our perspective, we'd question that, how can the earth be filled with the glory of God? There's so many crime on earth. There's so much poverty. There's so much corruption. There's so much uh, violence happening on this planet. And yet, the perspective of God is His glory appears here on earth. Verse 4, the sound of their voices, the doorposts and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. In fact, even in Revelation, we find this in Isaiah, and Old Testament text. In Revelation, a New Testament text. A picture of John when he was at the island of Patmos. God showed him a glimpse of heaven. And still the same thing. I believe that what Isaiah saw was a vision of heaven as well. It was only a vision of the temple. Maybe God allowed Isaiah to have a, a small glimpse of what is to come. And in fact, the same view or vision that John had in the book of Revelation. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. And was covered with ice all around. I don't know what creature this is. Can you imagine a creature with ice all around? We've never seen this. But this is biblical. Six wings with ice all around. This is not pineapple, by the way. (laughs) A flying pineapple! No, it's not. It's not a flying pineapple. Day and night, a vision of heaven. Can you imagine? Every single day, this is what we're going to be doing. Day and night, what were they doing? Never stop saying, holy, holy. Can we all say this statement? One, two, three. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's who God is. Holiness. In fact, One theologian, Louis Burkoff, defines God's holiness as absolutely distinct. There's none like it. We're not like Him in terms of holiness. We are probably thinking of ourselves, Yeah, I'm a holy guy or a holy girl because Jesus bought me for a price. That's true. But still, the holiness of God is absolutely distinct from our holiness. Infinite majesty is who God is. Have you ever been to Albayna? actually saw Mount Mayon in its beauty. How many of you have been to Albay and saw Mount Mayon right in front of you? They say, I, I, haven't, I haven't been there. They say that it's absolutely beautiful. Perfect Cone Mountain, better than the pictures. Better than what you see on internet. Or maybe going, going to a, you, you try going to a Grand Canyon or maybe Niagara Falls. It's so different if you see it on the pictures versus the actual experience of being there. Right? And that's what Isaiah saw God is. More than the picture, the verbal affirmation that was passed on from generation to generation of who God is, he actually saw who God is. He saw with his own eyes who God is. Now, how many of you would like to see God? Not now, okay? Not now. Maybe someday, okay? (laughs) na magtaas Because when you see the actual presence of God, you're in heaven, man. And morally perfect, there's not a tinge of compromise or sin in Him. Next is, how do we unveil God's holiness? Isaiah first had a glimpse of who God is. He saw God. Second, he had an inward look. He saw himself. He probably he now he realized wow, God you're a holy God and wow look at me, and how did he respond? Woe to me, I cried. Sa Tagalog, what does this mean? Kawawa naman ako. <laughs> you know I'm literally ruined. In fact, I think it was R.C. Sproul who said he literally disintegrated before the Lord. To disintegrate means to not become whole. Diba? Integer or integrity means one, wholeness. To disintegrate means to be undone. And that's exactly what Isaiah felt. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. How can Isaiah say he was a man of unclean lips? He was a prophet. He was somebody who would speak the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And he, he One of the major prophets in the Old Testament... He had major prophecies about the coming of the Savior in the New Testament, and yet he would say, I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. Look at the person beside you. Clean lips or unclean lips? <laughs> and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, more than him saying, It's not about him saying a lie. That's not what Isaiah was saying. He realized that he was a man of an unclean heart. Because normally your lips is connected to your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. If you want to know the type of person your friend is, or a, a person is, just hang out with that person for a while and listen to every word that comes out of his mouth. You'll know who he is by the way he speaks. You know if he's godly, you'll know if he's somebody who's who's negative or who's pessimistic or who's got a foul heart because of the foul words that's coming out of his mouth. And we hear some people saying, Eh, nagulit lang naman ako, pastor eh. Can you imagine you say bad words? I P-I-I! Nagulat lang naman ako, pastor. Eh. Non-intentional naman. Yeah, but that's the test. What comes out of uh, an unpure and unclean heart normally are unclean words. Jesus said that we will give an account before the Lord one day for every careless word that we've spoken. He was a man of unclean lips. You know, God's holiness and man's sinfulness cannot coexist. Simply cannot. God will not close His eyes over our sin and compromises. We cannot presume on God and say, God, You are a God of grace. Sorry, ah, compromise muna ako ngayon. Ah, mahina ako, tao lang. But I'll, don't worry, I'll be back, okay? I'll be back. I'll repent of my sins and for the meantime, please turn around and look. don't look at what I'm doing but I'll be back, I promise. Guess what? You cannot do that to God. God takes seriously His holiness. Take for example, the story of bin Benabaihu. You know, God's holiness provides a pattern for His people to imitate. and you, Even His own priest the sons of Aaron in the, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 10, when Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, they're all priests unto the Lord. They were given the task to offer incense and to offer sacrifice before the Lord. They're authorized. And yet, when they went to the Lord with an unauthorized fire, with the wrong motive, guess what happened? They were struck down dead by God. And they were priests. It's not about our position that qualifies us to enter the presence of God. Consider another story in the Old Testament. Uzzah. Have you heard of the story of Uzzah? When King David wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be brought back to Jerusalem because it was captured by the Philistine territory and it actually you know, brought some uh, curse or uh, boils in the Philistine camp. So they wanted to bring it back to Jerusalem. Two brothers put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. One brother was pulling it and the other brother, Uzzah, was behind the cart. And the oxen was, the ox was actually pulling the cart forward towards Jerusalem. And guess what happened? The oxen stumbled. And the cart tilted because it's about to fall. If you are there behind the cart, what would you do? Catch the cart, right? Good intention, right? Lord, I'm here to serve. Happy to serve. Niva, <laughs> I'm ready. Happy to serve. Can you, So what he did was happy to serve, he actually caught the ark. Guess what? On its way down, he died right on the spot. And the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, the Bible says, because his holiness cannot be touched by a sinful man. The God that nobody wants. And maybe sometimes we would think, Lord, how could you kill Uzzah? He's got good intentions. He wanted to protect the ark. He wanted to protect you. God does not need our protection. We are the ones who need protect it, protecting. Or take for example, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, there's this couple who were so generous, they sold their property for the building project of the Jerusalem Council. Okay? Baka Ian Building Phase 2 to, Parang ganun, okay? So they sold their property. Their name is Ananias and Safira. Namatay sila dahil sa phira. Okay? Guess what? When they're supposed to give an entire property and they withheld some because sabi baka may ito. Guess On the spot, they died. And that's in the New Testament. And Peter said, how dare you lie before the Holy Spirit? The God that nobody wants. this is the preaching that nobody wants to preach (laughs) and nobody wants to hear but we need to hear it because this will give us a pattern for living don't worry it will be good from here on (laughs) and I'm about to close the outward look if God gave us a pattern for living how are we to live if we are sinful from birth how are we to become sinful you know, qualified to have access before the presence of God. He experienced basically God's work and saw the need to share it to others as well. In verse 6, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Verse 7, with it he touched my mouth. Have you ever kissed? A charcoal (laughs) that's burning hot is exactly what happened to Isaiah. It was not his work that made him holy. It was the work of God that created wholeness in him. It had to be coming from God through the seraph with a live coal and I don't know if he felt pain. It didn't Record this. He probably just withhold that fact. This is the original facial surgery. This is the original is taken away facial your sin is for. Who made him holy? is did he did not participate in the creating of his holiness. He depended on God to make him holy. And then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And he he said, Here am I. Send me. In Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And we normally hear this during a wedding ceremony. But my point is not really on the husband part to the wives, although that's a pattern. But my point is the Christ part to the church. And this is how Christ loved the church. And who is the church? We are the church. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are the church. Okay, We are the church. God loves us. Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, verse 26, to make her what? To make her, to make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But what? But holy and blameless. God wanted to have a holy people set apart for His own glory. He gave us His best. His own son Jesus who gave His life, His own blood, so that we can be qualified to enter the presence of God. And not so that just we can go to heaven, but to really to make for Himself a people who are holy, set apart, still in this world, to make a name for God. That's the very purpose of why God wants to make us holy. It's not so that you can actually go to heaven. That's a given already. We're going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did, right? But guess what? How are we to live while we are here on earth? In 1 Peter, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That's the very essence of why God wants us to be holy. Not so that we can be legalistic and start policing one another. Oh, why you a cigarette? why you're drinking. It's not so that we can do that. It's so that we can actually live a life that is honoring to the Lord. He wants to set apart a people for Himself to glorify Him. My main point I want to share is we draw our holiness from a holy God. We don't get our holiness just by doing things. We don't become holy by a certain decorum or a certain kind of behavior in church. You know, I grew up in a very religious uh, culture. I always thought that if in church you have to be silent mode, you cannot make noise in church. I grew up thinking about that. I thought that being holy is wearing a certain kind of uh, you know, a robe or something. But I realize that what makes us holy is not because of the external things that we do, but the only thing is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He is the supreme sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Jesus gave us a positional kind of holiness. Nothing you can do about it. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, He made us holy by His blood. And yet in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be what? To be holy. Why is the Hebrew author saying now to make every effort to live a holy life? I thought we're holy. But many times, holy ka. <laughs> holy ka sa ginawa mo. You know, we are tested every time we're alone. The character of a person normally is tested when he is alone by himself, when nobody is looking, when nobody knows about what he's doing, and yet God sees. And the Bible says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. God takes it seriously for us. Lord, New Testament atayo right? diba Grace. Ananias and Sapphira, New Testament, hello. They're enjoying the grace of God at that time. Peter preached a first sermon and 3,000 people got saved. That's the grace of God. One sermon, 3,000 get saved. How many of you know? That is the grace of God. And yet we dare not live a life that is contrary to God's will. Particularly that will coincide against His holiness. You know, if you're a single, the Bible says live a holy life. My question is, are you living pure and holy before God, waiting for that day that you'll get married? Or... Are you committing fornication right now? Sleeping all around, just trying it out. Anyway, God is a good God. If you're a student, don't you dare cheat and copy in your exams because God sees. Guess what? The idiom that says it is better to cheat than to repeat. (laughs) It's not true. We we dare not take lightly the wholeness of God. If you're a businessman, are you paying your taxes right? Are you treating your employees right? Are you paying the right taxes to B I R? If you're a husband, are you faithful with your wife? Or are you flirting on F B <laughs> with your classmate in the past? Are we here this afternoon? If you're a wife, are you supporting your husband? Are you respecting your husband? Are you gossiping? Holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Jesus made us holy. That is our positional holiness. But there's a practical side of holiness that we need to live by. Make every effort to live a holy life. How many of you know that this is hard? But by the grace of God, this is doable. Amen. Amen. We don't depend on our own strength. Remember, we talked about this in Titus, that the grace of God appeared to all men that teaches us to say no to sin and ungodliness. It's still the grace of God, by the way. It's not our work. But we need to do it. If you get caught in the traffic light or traffic offense, what do you do? Do you offer a hundred bucks? Eh, hiningan ako, pastor eh. nagbigay ka naman. If you're the one who committed the offense, just go and give your license. You pray first, Lord, give me favor, and then give your license. If he gives your license back, then praise God. If he gives you a ticket, then so be it. Amen. That's the holiness of God. God is setting apart for himself A people that is special. A holy people that will make a significant statement of who God is in this world. And I'm about to close. Hebrews 7 says, Because Jesus lives forever, He has permanent priesthood. And we talked about the priests in the Old Testament. That every year they had to Offer a sacrifice for the sin of the assembly. But Jesus did it once. He is the great high priest who died once, sacrificed once, and made us holy once and for all. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy and blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through His own blood. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise for that? Can we all stand up? We hope you were inspired by that message. Have a deeper understanding of who God is in your life by coming to our weekend services or by joining a victory group. Visit our concierge, our website, or our Facebook page to know more. Thank you and stay connected.